Hey, Julie. Hey, Lisa. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Great. I just love the interview we just did with uh, the director of the Chicago Bank of America Chicago Marathon. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's coming up in a week from uh, Sunday, which is coming up really fast. And we have several several runners running it and we have both run Chicago as well it's uh one of my favorite races I really love the course it kind of combines everything that we love about um big marathons it's got a really fast flat course it's got great spectators got a lot of really neat uh neighborhoods to go through um and it's logistically uh while it's a huge race and really crowded so some specific logistics are specific to that we'll talk about um but it's convenient because you stay you typically right you know right where near the start, you can walk to the start. Um, so just some, some of the tips we always give our runners are because it's such a, a large race and um, the logistics are a little bit more complicated um, is to give yourself plenty of time, build in extra time. I know I remember when I ran it, you know, just getting um, to bag check and getting to your corrals can take longer than expected, just like any of the other big races, just similar to New York. Um, uh, you know, give yourself that extra time, um, carry and we'll give a few other tips, but, you know, just being familiar with where you're going, maybe doing a dry run, uh, you know, the day, if you're getting in on Friday or Saturday, doing a dry run from your hotel to where the start is and just, uh, being familiar with that. It's one of the you know, kind of one of the unique tips to Chicago that we talk about. Absolutely. It was just such a pleasure to talk to the race director, Kerry Pinkowski. He was just such a gem. And uh, before we introduce him, he did review some of the things you talked about, of course, with respect to planning ahead. Read your participant guide. I know in our um, race prep that we provide to our runners, we always link up the participant guide and the race website if there isn't a specific participant guide because it is there for reading. It does contain a lot of important information, particularly with respect to bigger races like Chicago and the logistics. So yes. But one other thing I forgot to ask him that I want to mention that one of our runners who ran Chicago last year mentioned to me was that last year um, they weren't allowed open containers in the start area. Um, we should find out more about that. Forgot to ask him on the interview. They weren't allowing open containers into the start area and she had brought her electrolytes in a, in a bottle and they made her um, discard it. So her suggestion was there is water in the start area is if you're going to bring electrolytes that can be mixed like powder or noon, a tablet, bring that with you and then get the water once you're in Athletes Village and mix it then. I don't know if they're going to be doing that this year, but that's just something to be aware of. Um, and she did say there was one vague line in the participant guide that, that, that wasn't, it was hard to understand, but when she looked back said, oh, that's what they must have meant by no open containers. Um, so something uh, we can look into and something anyone who's running Chicago should look into and just kind of think about if you're planning to bring um, your hydration into the start area, you may want to bring a backup of some, uh, if, you're, if you're mixing it, you might want to bring um, a backup with you. Yeah. So for example, if you are planning to use scratch or element for the first few water stops, just bring the little powder with you and mix it in once you get into the corral and you can pick up a bottle there. Yep, absolutely. Um, another tip that we would give that we didn't discuss at length in our interview with Carrie is GPS. We often hear from runners after running Chicago, my GPS was really strange. It was really wonky during portions of the race. So what we advise, and this is for any race, is by the time you get to the start line, you should kind of know what race pace feels like. You should know sort of what that feels like. And if you're afraid of starting out too fast, then just make sure that 
you understand what it feels like to run a little bit slower than your race pace, than your projected race pace. If you're not sure what that is, use the time now between now and race day to make sure you have that locked in just in case your GPS isn't working. That's important because when we race, we shouldn't be relying solely on our GPS anyway. At this point, we should be relying on our internal pacing. We should know what that feels like. And the GPS is a tool. And another tool, of course, is the clock on the race course. Mile markers will be marked and you will know what time it is. So look at that. You can also place your watch on manual. If you've never done that before, we wouldn't suggest trying that on race day, but that of course is an option. You can switch your watch to manual. And then every time you hit a mark, mile marker, you hit manual. And then you are actually getting the actual time it took for you to run from mile to mile versus the average pace that your GPS will reflect. So what we're trying to say is just really try not to rely on your GPS solely, especially when you start out in Chicago, the big buildings can make your GPS not as effective. That doesn't mean that you're running any slower. It doesn't mean that the course has changed at all. What it does mean is that you want to make sure that you're looking at and listening to your body and looking at the mile markers and the timing clocks. Yeah. With the caveat that uh, what you think may be your race pace or an easy pace to start uh, will feel a lot easier than it actually is. So I, I would be pretty careful to, to kind of, as you cross the start line and watch that elapsed time. And when you get to that first mile marker, uh, make sure what you think is your race pace or even easier than your race pace is in fact, because I know how many times I've started out saying, oh yeah, this is easy peasy and just enjoying the, you know, the sights and the adrenaline. And I looked down at my watch at the first mile marker and realized it was about 20 seconds per mile faster than I should be running. So check in early with that. And like you said, use the elapsed time and that because elapsed time is elapsed time and it um, based on the course marker. So, um, you know, again, even if your, your GPS is telling you you haven't hit mile one, but course marker shows you mile one that is mile one check down at your watch know what your you know your, your race pace is make sure it's a little bit slower than that in a big race like Chicago that shouldn't be a problem because it's going to be crowded for the first several miles and another tip related to that is don't try to weave your way through the crowds it's just going to waste energy it's going to add distance to your to your to your um to your total distance um so it, it, it's and it's mostly it's a big energy waster that that surging and and darting kind of back and forth across the course pick a line stay with it. Generally the outsides of the course are the, are kind of open up the most. Um, but you also then have to watch for grates and potholes along the, along the city streets that may be hard to see when there are so many runners in the street. So a lot of things to think about when you're starting. Um, but again, remember it's a marathon. You have 26.2 miles. If the first two miles are a little bit slow or a little bit, um, you know, get off to kind of a, a slow start, uh, you do not have to worry about it. it's much better than, um, getting off to too fast of a start. Absolutely. And uh, you also mentioned about paying attention to not weaving too much, not wasting too much energy to that and pay attention to the tangents. It also gives you something to do during the race. There's a lot of turns in Chicago and uh, it's a legal way to make sure that you are running the actual distance of the course and not 26.5 miles, 26.6 miles. So pay attention to that. And it, I like paying attention to tangents, not just because I want to make sure I run as close to 26.2 as possible, but it, it really does give you something to do. You study the course as you're running and say, okay, I'm going to cut here. I'm going to cut across here. And that way I'm not going to be making a wide turn and then running a little bit more than I need to run. So that is something, especially in these big city races where there are turns that you want to make sure you're following and paying attention to. And guess what? 
Chicago makes it easier. Chicago has a blue line painted on the ground, which is the tangent. Again, maybe hard to see in the more crowded parts of the course, um, but there is a dashed blue line painted across Chicago roadways. Uh, and that is the, uh, the, the measurement. That's the, that's the most direct, fastest way to the finish line. Um, it's the official measurement taken by the city and race officials. So if you're looking for that tangent, you get some help on the Chicago course. Excellent. So we want to introduce our guest today, the race director of the Bank of America Chicago Marathon, Carrie Pinkowski. Yep. And I, I wanted to mention before we introduce him, we, we had a little bit of discussion um, after we start stopped recording. We had a little bit of discussion offline with him. And um, I thought it was really, uh, you know, I, I, I wish we had recorded that because we really had uh, a nice conversation and, and something that he pointed out that he really loves about uh, the marathon is, you know, we always talk about it as being the great, great equalizer. You know, everyone's out there, uh, you know, running. You don't know their background. You don't know anything about their demographics. Um, you know, you don't know anything really. Uh, you're, you're all equal. You're all putting in the same work. And he mentioned what he loved is that, you know, you could go into the pasta party. Uh, for the Chicago Marathon and sitting around a table, 10 people, and uh, one person could be, you know, a, 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 a you know, cardiologist, and the other person could be um, a truck driver, and the other person could be a, you know, a teacher, and the other person, it's just such a diverse, and nobody's talking about what they do, they're all talking about how they train and their preparation for the race and their course strategy, and that's what we all have in common, so I thought that was really neat, I also thought um, it was neat. He told us a story of the year Khalid Kanuchi ran and set, uh, I think he set a world record that year in 205. I think it was 1999. And that his wife had also run the race that year. And uh, she remembered looking down at her watch at the halfway mark when she heard that he had already finished <laughs> the race. And she was at the halfway point at about 205. And afterwards, she had the opportunity through Carrie um, to talk to Khalid and see him. And Khalid was so uh, interested in how she did and how how did her race go and and congratulated her and on how it went. And he also told us, I think also Khalid had talked to somebody whose goal was to finish under five hours and they finished in 455. And he was commending that runner how well they did after after he had run a 205 marathon. And uh, and he said, no, I don't understand. I, I could never be out there for five hours, you know, most five hours of running. That is that's the real achievement. And it's just such a nice example of um, this running community and how running really marathoning, especially is a great equalizer. We're all out there on the same course. You and I are out on the same course as these world record holders and world, world record setters. We're, we're out there on the same course, crossing the same finish line. And I think that's something that's really unique to marathoning. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to, uh, to mention that before we introduce Carrie Pinkowski and Carrie is the, the race director, as you mentioned, of the Bank of America, uh, Chicago marathon. And he has, uh, been the uh, executive race director since 1990, so over three decades. And what I think is interesting is that um, in 19, when when he first joined in 1990, there were about 6,000 runners, and now there are over 40,000 runners. And um, uh, so, really, this has been uh, Carrie's uh, you know lifelong uh, passion, and he has really grown with the marathon. He himself is an accomplished runner. Um, he doesn't talk about that that much, but as, as a high school and collegiate runner, he was an outstanding runner and he's been able to take that passion and experience in running and, and make it his career and create what we now know is one of the, one of the best and largest marathons in the world. Yeah. And we did tell Carrie this, he does remind us of another race director that we just adore. And that of course is Dave McGillivray. They, they come from the same stock and that they have really dedicated their entire lives and careers to directing a race that is near and dear to their home city. And we just loved hearing Carrie's story. And we really understand now firsthand 
why Chicago is such a special marathon and why it's integral to the culture of the city of Chicago. So without further delay, we would like to introduce Carrie Pinkowski. Lisa, I hope you have a great week. Hope you have a great week. Bye. Bye. Carrie Pinkowski, race director of the Chicago Marathon. Welcome to the Run Farther and Faster podcast. And thank you for joining us heading into what we know is probably a very, very busy and sleepless week for you. So we appreciate you joining us today. Well, Lisa, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm looking forward to talking with you for the next hour. Well, let's, we're going to kick it off by, by introducing our, our, our listeners to you and just hearing a little bit about your background. First, tell us a little bit just about your background as a runner, because you do have actually an impressive background as a runner. Um, so we want to hear a little bit about your background as a runner and how you ended up uh, directing one of the largest marathons in the world. Well, I am from the Chicagoland area. Uh, I grew up in Hammond, Indiana, which is the southeast side. Um, uh, my town is a neighbor town to Hammond or to Chicago. So for the most, for, for the all intents and purposes, I was a, a, a influenced by the Chicagoland area um, most of my life. And I grew up, um, you know, playing traditional sports, basketball and baseball and all those things as, as kids do. And um, just discovered running. And um, I was kind of fascinated by it. And um found myself onto the cross country team and then, and then track in the spring. And I was, I was, uh, had some success and I was able to continue on, um, in college and, and, and run in college. And, um, when I was in college, I had the opportunity to meet, uh, Fred LeBeau, who was the, uh, founder of the New York city marathon and the New York road runners. And, uh, he was very generous, um, with his insight. And this is years ago before I ever had the idea that I would, um, I would ever um, be on the production side of this, or this is, was the path that, that, um, that I've been on. Uh, but he was very insightful about the philosophy and what, what his philosophy was and his vision for everything. And that kind of instilled this kind of keen interest. And um, I, when I finished college, I went off to run, uh, you know, train similar to what the guys are doing today, not quite as sophisticated or as elaborate and did that for a couple of years and, and then kind of got pulled back into the production side of it. And then um, being from the Chicagoland area, I connected with the guys that were that were uh, working on the Chicago Marathon and uh, started to do a few projects and stuff for them. And they were pretty successful and it just kind of grew. Um, and uh, they asked me if I would uh, consider directing and um, I said yes, and uh, 32 years later, here, here, here we are. So we've been on an amazing journey. Uh, I am humbled. I think the, the most fascinating thing about uh, this is that I um, am doing something, my livelihood, what I do, my career, my profession, um, which is based off of an activity I did as a, as a young boy in, in um, Northwest Indiana running around the park, you know, so uh, it's very rare that you live that charmed life where it stays with you the whole time through, you know, as a very young age growing up and then through college and post-college and then being on the production side of it. So it's been it's been a, um, an amazing journey. What's really interesting about your journey is that you've literally grown up uh, running this race um, in terms of directing it, but you've also 
grown up watching the running community expand exponentially since you first started directing the race. So sure. talk to us a little bit about what obviously you've seen a lot of change, but but how that's impacted you as a runner and a race director and, and what you've done in particular to be able to successfully navigate those changes since you first started directing the race. Well, I think, you know, if you would go back to when I started in the, in the early 90s, um, people that gravitated towards road races or the marathon had a pretty extensive um, involvement. They ran in high school or college, or they had, they were, they almost come from a competitive or uh, structured background. And then, and then uh, let me try to run the marathon. So it was, you know, 30 years ago, um, we, people ran the marathon to win their age group or to, you know, to, you know, to, they had a time involved in it or, or whatever. And, and uh, about when I first started, 90% of our participants were men. Um, now this year at the Bank of America Chicago Marathon, um, our field of 40,000, um, half are women. So in this transformation, I think people say, well, what's, what's been the inf influencer? Women um, participation, um, not only in the, as general participants, but also on the elite side. We've had some amazing athletes that have done on the women's side that have done some amazing things and have gone on to be um, marvelous ambassadors for us. So, um, you know, it's, it's, and now we have, we have the competitive piece of it, but I mean, we have, uh, I think we'll have about 24%, 25% of our participants are first time marathon runners. So they're drawn to Chicago. So it's just balancing that all together and making sure that, that we're touching all of the different needs of our participants because they come from different directions and they have different goals. So I think the key is um, the communication, but, you know, I mean, 30 years ago, if you were training for the marathon, you were by yourself, you know, it was the truly the loneliness of the long distance runner. And this past week I was out around the Chicagoland area with the clubs and there's so many support groups. There's so many uh, clubs and organizations that train specifically for the marathon and they have, their group leaders are so experienced and they from shoe fittings to what to eat, not what to eat. And then, and then it creates this um, community that uh, just reinforces the activity. They may have not met these people. They become friends through training and then they, it's, so it's, it's pretty amazing, but um, you know, you still drill down. I mean, we've, as the sport has changed as, um, the Chicago Marathon has become a destination, part of the Abbott World Marathon majors, all the pieces that go into it. Um, I think for me to kind of ask your question, answer your question, is that you want to, I always want to make sure that we don't lose sight of what the basic genuine piece of that is. So when you drill down through all of the um, things that support, whether it's the sponsorship or the elite athletes or the media or the things that, that, uh, that, prop this up and illuminate this activity we want to make sure that you know this is still about individuals putting one foot in front of the other um uh and 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 committing to the training and that sacrifice and commitment obviously and dedication we have to we have to recognize that and that's never going to change however the marathon has transformed in the last 30 years that i have been involved in it it's still about an individual that tests themselves um 
you know, they come through our registration process and once they're in, they realize, okay, now I've got it. Now I have my journeys in front of me and not losing sight of that. Now that, um, that journey is much more, it's much more robust than it was 25 or 30 years ago, because there's so many places to train and there's so much information, the, the equipment, the shoes, the nutrition, uh, cross training, staying healthy, all of those things are so important, but it's still about running a marathon, which is a daunting task. And uh, people are like, people still ask the marathon, how far is that? You know, 26.2 miles. Wow. That's like running from here to Gary, Indiana, you know, so it's, they use that analogy. We love that. And um, we love that you, you know, reflecting on the growth of the running community. And that's something that we, you know, we obviously see and feel and experience and, uh, and our runners experience as well. And like you said, whatever their goal is, whether it's, uh, you know, setting a world record or qualifying for Boston or just finishing their first marathon, that experience is, is so important to them. How do you, how have you over the years, what has been the biggest challenge to you in dealing in, in managing these larger, I mean, the numbers now are, you know, are over 40,000 runners. What is the biggest challenge to you in managing those runners? And how can runners coming to a big race like Chicago um, make that experience more, a smoother experience with so many runners? Yeah, well, I, th I think um, one element of that is um, as we started to see the success and the growth, so did Boston, so did london so did new york um and this is in the, the late 90s um and we had uh relationships together we all knew each other and 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 supported each other but we found that um the organizers of of the, the five original majors um we started spending a lot more time communicating with each other um and talking and uh sharing best practices um, and we, we agreed that collectively we could get better and improve if we work together. And if we, you know, so in the way that the, the schedule worked out, if there were some trends in Boston in the spring or London in the spring that they could share with us, all of that, or, or our medical directors would talk to the, talk to each other, our, our, our different uh, leadership from our police departments. So there was this, you know, instead of us kind of flying solo, Hey, this is what we saw in Boston. This is what we saw in London. Or, or, or if there, there was something we saw in Chicago, we would share that with London. But all of a sudden, we kind of uh, so we felt our you know getting on regular calls and doing all stuff. So we um, we realized that we uh, we could be uh, we could improve together. We could improve the the running experience together. We could you know sh in sharing this information and and this um, this process. So the partnership. Um, developed into the Abbott World Marathon majors, and then obviously Tokyo um, joined us. So there's six of us. So um, it's it's a great it's a great sounding board. It's a great resource, and it's not just the six race directors. And that we do talk a couple of times a month, but our operations teams talk. Some of our our guys will go out to New York and support, or they'll send some guys here. Or we'll observe, or so it's it's a really wonderful relationship. And the end result is that we get better individually collectively and we and we can share this information with other events so they can get better so we're hoping you know you hope that it would um elevate the elevate the sport and the running experience the more people we have running and that have positive experiences it's um it's good for all of us but i mean you know more recently i think you know there's the uh benchmarks in time i think uh you know 9 11 
was was a challenge as I go back go back in history. Uh, what took place uh, in Boston um, created some uh, the way that we look at things and how how we how we do things. So those point in times those unfortunately are the heartbreaking points of it. Um, but the other side is the world records. We've had world records and amazing performances. So the marathon is like life, and it's um, it can um, it can be in a, 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 a it can create a great deal of celebration and rejoice, and it can also break your heart. And I think that's what's so fascinating about it. Agreed. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Julie. You're gonna say something. I was going to say, absolutely. There's one point I just wanted to touch on that I thought was really interesting is that I don't think many runners think about uh, the genesis of the World Marathon Majors. It was created as a collaboration so that race directors could, could elevate each other's races. And the end result for runners, of course, is now there's this huge goal and feeling of accomplishment to be able to run all six majors. And at the same time, it's a goal that it doesn't involve times. It doesn't involve race times at all. It involves just completing the races, which is an accomplishment mm -hmm. in, of, in and of itself. But I just think sure. it's really neat that the genesis, of course, is that it involved collaboration, not competition among races. Oh, we're, we're still competitive. <laughs> we still compete with each other, which is great. You want to have that. But there's, there is, <clears throat> when there's challenges, we, we, um, we also come together too. So, but we are very, very competitive. So, but in a healthy way, which is great right to yes. see. In a healthy so way. to touch on that, my question is, would there ever, is there ever going to be, or perhaps is there any consideration for a seventh marathon major? Sure. I, I mean, as, as we speak, um, Sydney has applied uh, uh, and also Cape Town. So um, there are uh, two events that have officially um put their hand up and they're going through the evaluation process. So yes, there is a very good chance that we should see a sixth or a seventh, seventh or an eighth um, world marathon major. That's great. So for those who are, who are finishing up the current series <laughs> that they'll, they'll have some more, uh, another, another right. race yeah. to their goal. So here's a question. Did you ever have an opportunity to run the Chicago marathon to run the Chicago? I did. I, did. I ran, uh, I ran in 1983. Um, and I did it kind of a, as a lark. I, I wasn't really a marathon runner, but I did it. Um, I wore my training flats and, um, um, and I was going to run with some guys and I found myself like at the 14 mile mark. And I was like, you know, I might as well just finish up. It's easier than cutting across to get back to where my car was parked. So, <coughs> excuse me. Yes. So, so tell us what, what is, what is your favorite part? What do you, what do you think makes the Chicago Marathon course um, unique or special or appealing, uh, aside from the fact that everyone knows it's flat and it's fast, but what, what do you like most about it? And what do you find most challenging about the course? Or what do you think runners find most challenging? Well, I think, I think um, what is unique about Chicago, and it's the way that we have designed it and I have designed it, is that we start and finish in the same spot. We start in Grant Park. So gear check, everything is at a, in, a, in one location. So when our participants go through that process, they go to the start line, they know exactly where they need to go when they finish to capture there. Um, the majority of our guests stay in hotels that are six or eight blocks from, the, from, that, from that location so they can walk to the start. Um, it's, it's really the convenience for our participants. Um, 
around the loop area here in downtown area, that's where the majority of our hotels are and the majority of our, of our uh, people that, are, that have traveled here. So that commute to the start is a few blocks of a walk. There's no, there's no transportation to the start to different locations. So, and that allows people to stay in their hotel rooms a little bit longer and, and, um, and relax a little bit before. And um, although for our participants, when you run, you've got, it's, a, it's just a very visual course. You see some amazing architecture. Um, you get to see the sights and sounds. We go through 29 neighborhoods. So you really um, get to experience the um, <clears throat> fabric of Chicago the ethnicity of Chicago, the culture of Chicago that, that really embraces the event. But it's also extremely accessible for friends and family members. Um, in 2019, we had 40,000 people buy day passes and get on, this, get on the CTA and go to different locations. So you can do that via our public transportation and get, go down south or go up north and, and get to different spots. Or you can do it on foot too. You can walk across you can walk west and get to Fort. So it, that part of it makes it, I don't know if, if they still, if you still use this phrase or not interactive, but we have literally thousands of people, not only our participants, but friends and family members that make their way to different neighborhoods. And it's ironic for me that when it, I've had people tell me that live up in Lincoln Park, which is the north side of the course that, and they've lived in Chicago for 15 years. They've never been to Chinatown. And the first time they went to Chinatown was during the during the marathon, so there's there's a discovery with our residents that the marathon creates and, and neighborhoods that people or people that live in Lincoln Square they've never been to Pilsen. So and and so, so it, I, in in many ways it, it connects people that live here 365 days of the year because they're following someone that they know a friend or a family member or a significant other loved one. So yeah, but I think that's I think. What makes it makes us unique is the the accessibility, spectator access, um, compared to a point to point courses. Absolutely. One one thing I remember about Chicago when I ran it was I felt like it was it was several mini races because you would turn a corner and be in a different neighborhood and the race would suddenly take on a completely different feel. So even though the terrain of Chicago is does not have much undulation at all, the feeling of the race, you're you're constantly entertained by the music, the vibe of each neighborhood, and just all the different sights and sounds that you don't get in a lot of races in the same way. So for example, Boston goes through a lot of different towns and each town has its own flavor, but Chicago, the flavors are really distinct and it really was a unique experience. And um, to and that that's end- the, That's the history of the city is a melting pot. So you can see so many different from the architecture to the culture to the to the it's it's wonderful it's a wonderful place so absolutely so to that end along the course is there one particular point that really excites you that you feel is the best part of the course wow that's a good question um i think the uh the last two miles on michigan avenue which have become um as you approach the finish uh has become such a um crazy spectator location the crowds are are great. And there's um, um, Abbott, for example, has our employees that do this amazing activation with a mile to go. Um, I mean, gosh, uh, Chinatown's always great because they're, they're, a lot of people make their way there. So the crowds are always very enthusiastic. And uh, 
um, the, the residents in, um, in Chinatown, they have the lion dancers there and they have music and they get, they just, it's, it's man, Pilsen is north um, coming out of Lincoln Park when we come down Sedgwick, you know, Brownstones. Uh, I mean, it's Old Town, which is kind of a, one of our traditional neighborhoods that, um, but my favorite, I, I would probably say, there's two favorite parts. I love the finish. Um, that's, that's amazing. And I, I'm still moved by that. And I'm moved by the, just the energy of the start too. Um, and the way that our team stages that whole process. So, um, but I can't really, I, there's so many, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the map or where, where, where's my favorite part of the race, you know, here in the loop, the first two miles, we go down state street, which is iconic and through, through the financial districts. So we have all these magnificent buildings. I'm looking out the window here, which with architecture, it's like a, a cavern, you know, this cavernous with all the different art and all the things that, that go with it, architecture. So, yeah, I don't know if I've answered your question or I've been very diplomatic and touching on all the different spots. Oh, that's, right? oh, that's great. And it, it highlights, I think, that what a lot of runners feel about Chicago is that the whole course is just fantastic. And it's just it, it's, an, it's an amazing experience. And kind of going back to you know the fact that it starts and ends at Grand Park all in one place with all of those runners. What tips do you have for runners that are coming to Chicago to run this year to make that process of getting into the start? smooth um you know it takes time to get to the start and get in corral what what is what are your tips I, I would if you're if you've traveled here and you're staying in the hotel make sure that you review your uh participant guide everyone that that uh, is entered in the race uh should have received electronically the participant guide and it's got some amazing maps and we'll have most of that set by friday saturday afternoon so if you're close by you might want to just take a a practice walk to the start line and, and see, I'm supposed to go in gate four, there's gate four, I come down Adams, I make my way this, just so you so that you're not kind of a little bit turned around because you know the excitement of race morning, sometimes you, you're supposed to turn right and you turn left. So kind of take a practice run to the start. Um, but also just the, the participant guide's got so much information about uh, the water stations and, and medical stations and uh, porta johns and where to go and what to do if things are going great. You won't need any of that, but if you're if you're if you need some medical attention, however minor, where the medical tents are located, what they look like. So you need some uh, body glide, or you need uh, a band aid, or you need you know whatever. That there's a lot of different. Um, it's not just you're lightheaded or you have a cramp. There's a lot. We can also uh, su support other requests. So um, just read that, and that, that really it's a it, the the team did a great job on very concisely where, what, when, how, what should I do if, you know? Yeah, that's an important tip, I think, especially for big races is, is reviewing all the logistics and um, the information that's out there. When, when do you start looking at the weather? Well, our medical director has been looking at it and we have a, a gentleman on our team who's a meteorologist and, and Mike Nishi and Greg Hip and our operations guys, because we, um, we set contingencies um, it's a little bit too early for me. I'm a little superstitious, but I can over, I'm, I'm listening to what's going on because obviously if it's a cool day or a cold day, we have to uh, set certain resources. Uh, some remain the same, but if it's a warmer day, we have to adjust to that. Um, if it's a perfect day, we have to adjust to that. Um, so um, I think probably Monday morning, we'll take our first really hard look at it and then, you know, pull some levers on some things. And then Wednesday, we'll pretty much be in, in the wheelhouse in the window. So, yeah. 
What's tricky about Chicago and the weather is that there's a lot of microclimates in the race. And there are many years over the history of the race where it started out perfect. And then the last few miles back into the city, finishing up the sun in the direction of it is beating down on the runners and it causes yeah. um, some unexpected heat issues. Can you talk a little bit about that and some things that runners yeah. should, should think about when looking at the weather and planning for their race? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that you're seeing on the run up here is that it's going to be really cool. So the radiant temperature of the buildings leading up to race day. So that, and we've had some rain. So the, the lake, you know, the lake is cool. Um, ground temperature will be cooled. So that's, that's, that's an, that's an, um, we pay attention to that. Obviously our medical director with the wet bulb globe temperature, but for the most part, people that come out of the Midwest have trained in warm weather. People that come out of the Southeast have trained in warm weather, Florida there. It's, it's, I mean, we've had less than ideal conditions and people from Austin have told me it was chilly when they were running, you know, so it's, it's, it depends on where you are. So most of the Midwest we've had warm weather. I mean, it's just as challenging if we have cold weather, if we have some cold weather, because people have been training in warm weather. So we have to pay attention to that too. So it's it's fall in Chicago. Um, you just gotta be prepared. I mean, our event of, I mean, one thing we're afforded in 2022 is a way to communicate with our participants, whether it's through the event, um, our event alert system, but also just up, upgrading what weather, what to be aware of, um, in, in real time, within minutes, we can um, let people know what's, what the forecast is going to be. But most of the people have trained for the marathon. They've trained through just about everything. They've trained through rain. They've trained through, you know, heat, cool, wind. Um, so they're pretty prepared um, for what's going to happen. But just uh, look, to our web, look to our website. Look for your updates uh, on your device that you have on what's going to happen and then our uh, event alert system. And so we'll have enough data that, to tell you that our, our, our race director, I mean, our sorry, medical director will uh, have some suggestions on what to wear and what to do, and uh, you'll be ready to go. Right now, I'm looking the long term. Looks, looks pretty good. We'll keep our, our fingers crossed. Um, we always say it's better to race in the fall after training through heat, race in cool weather than the other yeah. way around, training through cool weather and getting a, a really hot day. So you mentioned, um, you just mentioned the buildings and um, in the city. Do you find that runners have issues with GPS? Um, their GPS signals. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. They yeah. bounce around a little bit, like a cell phone does um, in certain places. I mean, these are there's some iconic architecture and building here, so um, you got to um, let the at least the first the first few miles let that kind of settle a little bit. Um, and and but the you know the course is the course has um, been measured and certified and all of that, so it, it's 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 dead on. There's no worry about that, but. Um, you just want to make sure that you're aware of where you're going because maybe your 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 uh, your uh, tracking device is off a little bit or whatever. So you want to run by feel, and then and then it'll correct out when we get out into the open a little bit. Yeah, and and obviously you have pacers on course. Talk to us a little bit about your your pace groups. Where do they come from? Who's who's pacing the race? And yeah, uh, well, it starts with the elites. We have a group of athletes up front that'll take the men out uh, and take our elite women. And then we have our pace team, which is over 110 runners, I think. Uh, I'll have to check on that. Paul Miller has been directing that, and uh, they take people out. I think they started. You can go to our uh, go to our, go to your comp, your um, participant guide, but they go everywhere from 315 all the way up to 430. So there's a there's a group that you can connect with when you get to the expo. Look at look at your guide. Go to the pace team booth. 
and you can identify with those guys will be there with some insight and, and get you in the right group. And this, and you'll have, if say you want to run four hours or you want to four hours and 30 minutes or three hours and 40 minutes, there's a group and, and Paul does a really good job of keeping our pacers on task. So he, he audits how they do and how they perform. And you got to be dead on because, um, He's uh, he's he's a, he he calls for you know and there's a lot of pressure for people to do that to train so he does a great job with the group and a lot of them have done it for four five six seven eight years so they're really good at it. That's great to know. And Chicago is a great race to pace because there isn't a lot of strategy with respect to maintaining an even pace because it is a one of the flattest courses out there, especially <clears throat> with respect to the World Marathon majors. So. We want to close this out and ask you two questions. The first is, what do you worry about most as we approach race weekend? And what do you love best? And what are you most looking forward to with respect to race weekend? Oh, what keeps me up at night? I mean, there's so many moving parts and, and it's, um, and it's, and it's, it's, it just takes on, um, it's, it, the planning part of it then becomes the integration part of it, and then it becomes live action. So uh, just trusting your decisions on how we've done things. I've got an amazing staff, and we walk through um, not only internally here with our staff, but also, also with the city. Uh, we have these um, planning exercises that we'll do next week. So we have just about all the city agencies are there. So we do a really good job. The city does a really good job with our team in our organization for planning and being able to, uh, to make adjustments. Um, you know, weather is always a challenge. We've in the, in uh, my career has spanned a long time. We had a, we had six inches of snow one year, which created its, its own unique, but if you're from the Midwest, it's no big deal. You know, we're used to it. If you're from Chicago, whatever, you shrug your shoulders and get after it. But the city, we had a plow, you know, they got out and got it uh, cleaned up and everything. And then, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just meeting people. It's, it's the race, the race itself is a culmination of everyone's effort. This, this amazing ecosystem, but just meeting people, um, the energy, I mean, it's still, I still, um, I still derive a lot of, um, pleasure and excitement from that because people have trained and they've come here and they're excited. And, and it's, it's that energy that never, it, and then, you know, you walk out on race morning and it's just, it's just, all the events I've done, 32 of them, each one, it, it's, it's still there. It's still, it still moves you. It, it, it takes you, it takes you to a spot that, um, that I'm very fortunate to be because it's, it's, it's such a, um, unique and genuine expression of the human spirit, um, of people from all shapes and sizes and ability that have navigated their way, the route, the course, of the training uh, and made their way to Chicago uh, to discover our community and discover this historic event. So um, I think I, I just love that, that aspect of it. It's, it's like I mentioned earlier, it's the, it's still one foot in front of the other. Now you have shoes that are better and apparel that's better, but man, it's still a human will. It's still that commitment. It's still putting the training in. And, and as, as you get through it, I mean, the transformation that people go through, it's, from being pretty much scared to death to getting a little, you know, all of a sudden they run six miles or they run eight miles or 10 miles. And then you see the confidence and then you see like this, the ascent to the, to the, uh, to the start line. And then they're, they're ready to go and they, and they're, and it, it's, it's here and it's, it's infectious and you can feel that. 
and that hasn't changed and i and i it's it's even maybe more so now as as i'm at this point in my career we love that every all of the race directors that we've spoken to recently always point to that moment when they see everybody coming together at the start line um to to undertake this you know this celebration that they've trained for and put all their hard work into and you know whether it's the elite runner who's going for the world record or that person who's coming out for that first time to finish a marathon that's you know it we love hearing that you know the race directors that we've spoken to always point to that and we love that that's your passion and like this comes back full circle to where we started is that you get to do something that you're passionate about and that you yeah. love and that you've you lived and and that comes through and in, in the experience so I can't imagine doing anything else so that's that's and when you can when you can I mean it's it's there's it's it's still a complex process but it's it, it it pays such a, an unbelievable reward such a genuine reward um the payoff is amazing and then you know some of the athletes i'm, I'm just going to go down a list here before we start. Our, our former champions joan samuelson ingrid christensen rosa moda constantina dita dina castor taranesh Dababa, paula radcliffe bridget koskai some of the greatest marathon runners of all time and um have our former champions here and they the, the what they did athletically here and what they continue to do as ambassadors for us and paula is amazing dina has done some just continues to be an ambassador for us joan i mean she was what she was the she put the chicago marathon on the map so all of them uh you know that's another part of it to work with them as athletes and then work with them and they've all become moms and have families and they've, they've kind of come into the real world, but they still come back and there is a, there is just supportive and approachable as ever and just wonderful ambassadors for us. So, and running, not just our event, but events across the world. So. Well, that's definitely a testament to you and the community that you've created. Um, you, you are definitely the face of this race in many ways, and you've developed those connections that allow people like Dina and Joan to return and want to support you in the Chicago marathon. And we just feel like you embody the running spirit, the spirit of the running community. And we're just so grateful for you and um, the other world marathon majors, race directors that have really devoted your lives to lifting up the running community. And even though it's friendly competition, lifting up each other, which is also setting such a great example for other industries to follow. So yeah. um, we wish you a very successful race weekend. Um, selfishly, we wish that for you and the others, because we have so many runners running. How many runners do you, how many have, how many runners do we have out here? Um, how many do we have, Lisa, going in? We have about, I think, uh, maybe eight, seven or eight yeah. this year coming out to run. So Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. If, if I'm out and about, say, hey, I'm coached by Julie and Lisa. So <laughs> say hello. She'll tell them, you've got, you've got a lot on your plate this weekend. No, 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 no. For sure. I'll be down at the expo a little bit and stuff. So oh, fun. Well, we hope you get say, some sleep. We hope you get some sleep. Come and say hello. Sleep. Come and after, say for sure. after next weekend that you get to get caught up in your sleep. But again, thank you for spending time with no. us on your busy week. And both of us hope to be back in Chicago, running Chicago again. Um, we've both run it uh, several on. times, but we're, we're going to come back and we're going to come back and run it. And um, again, thank you for everything you do for, for the marathon and for the running community in general and for spending time with us today. My pleasure. And thank you for having me on as a guest. 
on uh, run farther and faster because that's something I need. I'm not running as far. <laughs> and I'm definitely not running as fast. So I may have to tune into some of your other programs to get to get going here because I I, I make my debut at our 8K in the spring and I've I, I haven't been running any faster. So I need some I need some help. So I may lean in on you guys for sure. We We're so honored. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today and best wishes and best luck next weekend. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryant. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.